All right, Dan, we got to do the number thing. What do you want to dedicate this to? Because oh, this is, oh. uh, I know what I want to dedicate. Okay, to. Um, let's fly it your way. Who do you want to dedicate it to? I want to dedicate it to all the people who love mis- murder mysteries, just like myself. This is a wonderful, it's not actually sold as a murder mystery. Yeah, it's, but, it, that's, that's a great call. Yeah, but if you, if, even if you don't like murder mysteries, you'll like this movie. Because it's definitely a puzzle. And right? you're, you're sitting there with uh, Joseph Cotton's character, Holly Martin, trying to figure this out. You know, <laughs> right. it's, the movie starts oh. out with a huge what the hell is going on? Uh, you're going to try to try to figure it out with a little glass of a little whiskey. Oh, you have to. <laughs> yeah. We're back for another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast, and I'm having uh, a wonderful, elated time. I finally get to talk about one of my favorite movies. Yep. This is actually funny because it's actually my third favorite movie. My first overall <laughs> will be The Maltese Falcon. Yes. Um, the second is 2001, which is kind of funny uh, because 2001 lost to Olo- uh, Carol Reed's Oliver for Best Picture. And Carol redirected the, <laughs> directed this third film. Man. We're gonna find a bunch of connections <laughs> as we do this, but it's my third favorite movie. And um, how I got to discover this movie is a little bit of weird. I don't like to do personal, but I think people would be interested to know about this. It's really bizarre, right? Um, it's one of those things that you don't know about something, and all of a sudden you get bombarded about it from different areas of your life, and all of a sudden you know, so, uh, like a subject, and like I've never heard about this, and somebody else brings it up, and you go, oh, what? going on it's very not unlike buckaroo bonsai <laughs> right, right. but yeah but yeah so uh so it's 1999 and i'm working at the out of pop video store okay and what happens is we didn't have a lot of uh footage for circulation of video we didn't have a lot of space maybe maybe i i can't put it into mathematical figures but think of it we could only kick out maybe at the time about 200 different movies out but we had a large storage space so what happens was the video store made money on old movies, not so much new movies, because we had a lot of variety of obscure movies that people love. And that's that's the thing when you go yeah. to a video store, most people are looking for the older films. Right. Do you yeah. have this? Do you have this one's really hard to find? Right. Oh, you got it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So what happens, new movies come out Tuesday. I so happen to open the store with the manager. So what happens is there's a deal you for the Tuesday, which was a good deal at the time. You can rent five old movies for $5. That is a good deal. You can't do any more or any less. You had to pick five movies for five bucks. God, I don't think you can do that anymore. No, no. It's still kind of a good deal it is. now. Oh, absolutely. Um, even phenomenal deal now. So a lot of people will come Tuesdays just to pick out old movies. My job before I came in an hour before we opened, I would go over the old movies that didn't get rented out. Okay. They're just stuck on the shelf. Nobody's moving them. Nobody's interested. So I would probably, the manager would say, all right, she would say, go go back, find 10 more old movies, kick out the ones they're not selling, and bring out some out of the storage and put them on the shelf and see if somebody would catch them. And so I went out in this, back in the old store, you know, it's one of those classic dark. It almost looks like the sewer of the third man. It's dark, very bad. Like there's just walls of sleeve VHSs. Okay. And I found this movie. And it had the old-fashioned cover. You know, the book. Oh, the, the, yes, book flop? the real thick plastic. That right. was like almost like a casket. Yeah, it's a yeah. book flop casket. Book, yep. Not the sleeve. When they first came out. Yep, yeah. Yep. So I found this. I go, what the heck is this movie? I thought I knew all the old movies. No, obviously, my naiveness when you're a kid, think you know everything. And I was like, I don't, the third man. I never, so I put it out there. I put it on the shelf. Then a couple days later, AFI released her 100 Greatest Movies, because it's mm-hmm. the turn of century, 1999, right? That's right, they did, yeah. Right, and on, on one of them, was, on you know, number 80 or whatever, was <laughs> The Third Man. Oh, which is like, I know all these movies except for this one. <laughs> what is with this movie? I the cosmos know. was telling you, you must see this film. Right. <laughs> and then uh, I go to my art class, my drawing class. Okay. My teacher uh, assigns us to watch this movie and to give a visual rendering of the our 
pers- artistic perspective of this movie. So I'm hitting three times in less than two days about this movie. I, prior to the beginning of the week, had no idea it existed. <laughs> right. And now you're told to, oh, I love that scene, told to study it. You know, right? Yeah, um, we're actually playing it now. That's what. <laughs> That's they <have>. right. <laughs> so it's one of those bombardment three times. Yep. In the movie's third man, so I was like, I'm gonna have to go see this. Yeah, that's all there is to it. <laughs> then eventually it gets an itinerary for our film history that we have to find. <laughs> we have to assign to watch this movie. Yeah, mine was a lot simpler. It was you suggested it, <laughs> and I, uh, I, I bought it off of Roku and I saw it. <laughs> and and I, I'm glad you did because it, uh, it, it is a fantastic film. It's wonderful. All right, so we begin. Uh, this is Carol Reed's The Third Man, yeah. yep. uh, made in 1949, and wow, uh, filmed in Vienna, Austria, yep. on location. Just not entirely just after, true. Yeah, just after the war. So the war ended in like 1945. They still haven't. It's still filmed. It's still bombed. And yeah, Vienna is still recovering. And it, yeah, and it yeah. looks like a just a shattered. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just piles of bricks and um, maybe an occasional wall, and it's yeah. it's very eerie. Um, I mean, a third of the of the town is gone. Right, is pretty much gone. So and, it's 1949. This is actually. A lot of movies are made in color. Yeah. Carl Reed decided to do black and white. Uh, which has a real uh, fantastic film noir look to it. And yeah. very very much kind of an expressionist look. It's The thing is, yeah, it's set in Austria. It's it's a British film, but it really has a German flavor. And I, um, I think I yeah. mentioned that to you. And I said, uh, it. you know, there are certain scenes that remind me of Fritz Lang's M. Yeah, highly know? German expressionistic. Yes. Yeah. Where you'll see uh, a figure, you know, coming down the the corridors of an alleyway, and but all you see is a shadow, and yeah. you know, this shadow is huge in in lumbering, and you know it's it's heading towards you, and yeah. then it's a little old man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but there's a lot of that, and yeah. that's that echoes back to Lang and his his um, you know ways of using the camera, uh, and so uh, it um, yeah it's a fantastic it's a f- fantastic use of that. Uh, Robert Krasker uh, did yep. the cinematography. He was actually not very much celebrated as a cinematographer. He did win awards. He won Best Cinematographer for this movie. Okay. Uh, but just in his native, um, Aust- he was Australian. Mm-hmm. Don't confuse, he's not Austrian. Mm-hmm. He's native Australian. Yeah. But he just wasn't really celebrated from his home country. And he kind of did phenomenal. He won awards for him for, photo- for his own still photographies and stuff uh, like he- that. So... It's one of those that who? Yeah. <laughs> and I, in fact, I had to write it down, but he did such beautiful work in there. I was like, right. who, who did this? And prior to Carol Reed and Robert Crasser did The Odd Man Out. Oh, which, right. Um, I I have a copy. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've yet to see Odd Man Out. I've, I've, I've seen samples. I'm not to consciously sit beginning to end to watch Odd Man Out, which I, people said, if you love the third man, you have to see, see Odd Man Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I. Odd Man Out is actually the first one to win uh, the first Best Picture for the BAFTA Awards. Oh. So one Best British Movie. That's the first one to receive the award. Uh, I, I have to admit that when it comes to Carol Reed, the only film that I saw was Oliver, right. and which is night and day compared to The Third Man. Well, I had yeah, no idea. Um, when talk about when they, they had a – I can't remember what it was. A, a T, a Turner Classics had this director's table. They had famous directors sitting like Peter Bogdanovich and um, Joseph Mankiewicz and um, some other old – old people Robert Altman famous director oh they, yeah and they talked about and there was a bunch of other people if you can find it but they talk about Carol Reed Carol Reed did the worst thing you're supposed to do you're not supposed to make your great movies first <laughs> you're supposed to make them last right. because nobody's going to remember you that's, that's a good point and right. I was like oh <laughs> he he directed Oliver right. <laughs> And you just, you just, uh, you know, it's night and day um, compared to those two. Um, and, and another interesting side note: uh, Carol Reed actually was born out of an affair. <laughs> Did oh, you really? know about? Uh, it was an affair with Sir Herbert uh, Burnham Tree and actress Mary Pena Reed. Um, Her, um, Herbert Burnham Tree. He began the Royal Cad- Academy. He was a accomplished actor his wife did a bunch of acting on stage with him and he had an affair and, oh. and carol reed was born oh and, and gave the world a great director <laughs> right so he was he meshed in this film theater world to begin with right um 
the other thing is his son Oliver Reed. You know about Oliver Reed. He was oh, for God's sakes, really? Yes, he, Epiphany. All right, <laughs> Oliver Reed. Uh, I think everybody would uh, a little bit younger than us would probably so know. So there was some nepotism going on in the film Oliver. I think because well, he played Bill Sykes. He Bill Bill Sykes, but everybody a little bit younger than us would recognize him as the old scruffy gladiator trainer oh, in right in gladiator gladiator yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also a little interesting side note played yeah. the werewolf in hammer's version of uh the werewolf right the werewolf. yeah 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 and i uh um and he he liked real eccentric parts i mean he uh oliver reed uh played the father in right. uh, ken russell's tommy and the uh, man yeah. can't the man can't sing <laughs> <laughs> You know, but still gave it a shot. <laughs> it uh, it's interesting when uh, when we talk about uh, Carol Reed, and um, how you know how how different his style was with Oliver. There was actually a rumor going on that, um, you know, in in certain circles that, you know. Yeah, Carol Reed is the one who directed it, but there's a lot of people that actually think that Orson Welles directed it. Right, yeah. And that was kind of like this secret rumor, and rumors are, you know, rumors die hard. Well, Orson never denied it. Of course not. Because it's good promotional oh, for yeah. the movie. And he was out, I think he did this, he got straight salary, he didn't do, he just got a straight to, to a couple weeks, and I think he was just trying to make money for his next project he wanted to do. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, he said something. Well, I'm I'm working a little extra on the film, right. and saying, you know, trying to give that uh, kind of give it a shadowy sort of, uh, um, um, <laughs> you know, say I'm going to say it without saying it because <laughs> then you can't say that I said it. Right. So the the the, the non component of denying it, non, I really did it. The, there's no answer that the it manifested to grab right Man, or smells. Maybe is secretly directing yeah, this movie. Yeah, it it, it, you know. it must be. And uh, there was talk that certain scenes, like when they're on the Ferris wheel, that some of that yeah. was improved and improved by Wells, and that's how he wanted the scene to go on. Orson did that with Citizen Kane. You know the whole dance line. That bit. was that was improved. He. Denied. He never oh. really. People like, did that? Was that improv? Well, you know, when movies, <laughs> he never really gave a thoughtful answer. And that's also another one of those uh, right. people thought that was just all of a sudden an ad lib. So Orson really never ad lib. He was too much of a perfectionist, perfectionist. to yes. ad lib. Um, he did write the lines for the speech of you know Holly of uh, this Harry Lime character and also the indigestion he really did have an indigestion oh when he's talking about that yeah, yeah. yes yeah. and uh and then of course that scene ends with the famous talk about the cuckoo clock yeah uh, which is great where <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best speeches it is it is it, just and the way he you know it's almost the George Constanza when the I need a, I want a, something for a good exit you know a great line to say and <laughs> yeah. and Harry Hollins had the great line to say and he just Takes off. And it's true. Yeah, because <laughs> the thing is, is that you're and you're expecting something that big because for most of the film, you were talking about this man. And Wells' character, you yeah. don't see for about three-fourths of the film. Right. Yeah, he's, he's this phantom, this shadow, this uh, conversation about a dead man. <laughs> is he alive? Is he dead? dead? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. Well, you well, know. Well, if, you, if you've seen the whole movie, it yeah. is the great mystery of the death of Harry Lyme because we don't really... No. Yeah. We don't really know how what happened really. There's it's true. Really, that's what I like about this movie. There's no definitive answer. There there isn't. It's, of what happened to Harry Lyme. Yep. It yeah. it's it starts with a funeral and it ends with a funeral. <laughs> so it's yes, it's booked end by a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. I forget about that. It's booked end about a funeral. Which is which is really cool. Uh uh, uh the story from a novella by uh, Graham Greene who was known as a uh um, a Catholic novelist, which really upset him. He wanted to be known as a novelist who right. just happened to be Catholic. But a lot of his stories, I guess, had kind of a philosophical and theological element of Catholicism to it. There's heavy, if you ever read one of his books, even there's maybe like uh, the spy, the spy or whatever, mm -hmm. um, maybe 80 pages long, there is deep themes and undertones of yeah. how you want to write. His best, I think my personal best is his best one was uh, The Quiet American. The Quiet American. Um, which they turned into a movie starring Audie Murphy. And it's about American going into Vietnam during the, just before America starts 
be involved in the Vietnam War. Okay, kind of helping uh, the French. Maybe in the, it takes place in, probably in the 50s. Okay. So American goes in there. He's, he's, he's kind of like an advisor for the French. Yeah, and in fact, the characters in the movie are all metaphors. So the American oh. is like the American government getting they're just coming in crass and annoying and what's going on oh, kind of the, the yeah. typical ugly american and, and then yeah. the, he meets up with a british guy who's having an affair with a native vietnamese kind of like the love affair yep. and, and on the side is kind of the french person who's a little jealous and it's all a metaphor <laughs> of what's yeah. going on nationally yeah but it's called a quiet american because he's not yeah. You know, he's just annoying. <laughs> um, they made it into a movie, and the cinematographer for The Quiet American is Robert Krasker. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Which ties in with was the cinematographer for They this redid film. The Quiet American uh, about 10 years ago with Michael Caine and Brendan Fraser. Uh, if you haven't got to cut. Yeah. It, yeah. It, um, now that you mentioned it, yes, yeah. it does sound familiar. Um, I want to give another note. Um, okay. They did a radio version of this movie. Um, strictly for radio, right? And um, Joseph Cotton was the only person to do his role. Everybody okay, else—that was the only information that I knew about it. You took it from me, yeah, yeah. That Joseph Cotton was in it. Nobody yeah. else. I mean, Orson Welles got his start in radio. In fact, yeah. that radio pictures made his movies. <laughs> that, yeah, that's when you he, think that he would—he <laughs> sharpened his teeth on that. I mean, he was a master of the Mercury Theater. Um. Which is kind of funny because he didn't do the, the radio version of The Third Man, but he revised the character Harry Lyme on radio. He did. Of uh, the adventures of Harry Lyme. That Orson Welles did the voices of Harry Lyme for the radio in a, hour of... In a sense, kind of a sequel? A prequel. Oh, cool, what a Harry, prequel. What Harry Lyme was doing in Austria during the war and all this stuff. Oh, so, it kind of fits everything in. Yes. And, of course, he probably did it to finance his projects. Sure. Yep. <laughs> did, yeah. you know, did you know Orson was kind of considered a prodigy as a child? He was, like, reading Shakespeare at first grade. Yes. And yeah. He was, he was just considered prodigy and... Well, I knew he was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, he had a... Uh, uh, just... A uh, what what they call a photographic memory, and was uh, had right. so many burning ideas on what to do and how to do it. I mean, he um, to to scare the hell out of most of the country on <laughs> in what you would consider. I mean, he was years ahead of his time when he did War of the Worlds. Right. It's a reality show, yes. you know, because most reality shows are not reality. There's, you know, it's a rehearsed. It's rehearsed production, right. and uh, that's he. Added that element of uh, what you might want to call that was rehashed with Blair Witch Project. He broke that that dimension and made it real. Yeah, and it scared it scared when he revised everyone that heard it. The Lord, uh, War of the Worlds, right? The War of the Worlds. War of yeah, the worlds. Um, Orson uh, went on to I think because he worked with Joseph Cotton. That's how Joseph Cotton got this role. They right. did Magnificent Ambersons, Ambersons, yep. which I actually like more than they actually like Citizen Kane. Some people are kind of of the... the I, I like Magnificent Ambersons too. I am saddened by how it was kind of butchered and there's a, right. there's a whole story behind that yeah. with, with the um, with the studios and his struggle with the studios on trying to retain his vision of what a film should be and then being constrained Well, by, I, re I remember my, art in, my film instructor saying, I wish I could show you Magnificent Ambersons, but due to criteria and people beating down my office, I have to show you Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And due to time, time constraints, I can't show you. <laughs> right, the Magnificent Ambersons. Yes. But because it almost is like if Citizen Kane is top not, you know, one, mm -hmm. then many of his Ambersons is one A. And, yeah. and that's but because it's the same kind of almost the same fabric, the third man probably is regarded as an Orson Welles kind of a production. It, and, yeah, it's true. Uh, and I think that's where this rumor mill came about, saying, yeah. oh, he must, this is so brilliant, he must have directed it, you know, and because you, you know, or had um, a lot more footing into it, right. uh, you know, just on the simple aspect of, you know, the people behind the film, Carol Reed, and, you know, you, you know Robert Krasker, we were saying, well, who is he? 
you know. Yeah. Uh, well, he's brilliant. However, not many people know about him. Well, everybody knows Orson Welles. Okay, yeah. well, he must have something to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the narration, beginning of the movie, it talks uh, has a voiceover narrator. I never yeah. knew Vienna before the war and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think I pointed out to you that the British version yes. has Joseph Cotton speaking the lines That's as right. himself as Holly Martin's. I never knew Vienna before the war. This is less. David Oselnick trying to was part of the production grind is put his influence in the door. Didn't like that. Yeah. And had a different variation. And that's usually what gets played on Turner classics is the David Oselsnick. Yeah. It's yeah. very hard to find the Joseph Cotton narration version. Yeah. And Where it's the beginning that it's, I hate narration, but it fits so point with all the still pictures and the black market and the guy floating in the water. Well, mm -hmm. attempts amateurs. He just can't say the cool. <laughs> that's right. Great line. Well, it um, is. I mean, yeah. people. That's what's stay that's, the course. That's what's funny about this movie. You're. It's that's that's awful but yeah. you're laughing at it I, it's very dark you know right. uh, black humor there's a guy floating the river and you're yeah. like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then i mean the for the time and place of where they are austria the half of the city's bombed maybe a good portion of the population still in yeah. you know under the debris um you've got uh what four different governments jurisdictions jurisdictions right. controlling it and the narration he talks about it they all yeah. can't speak the same language all supposed to govern this place <laughs> wonderful right so there's there's i think there's definitely room for cynicism about <laughs> people that can't take the course i mean because you almost get to a point where you gotta laugh and there's know? a line in the movie where you know holly martin is just an alcoholic writer right? right and you know the pain the um trevor howard's um police assistant pain i love pain mm. but you know even when he punches a guy i'm sorry off you go okay <laughs> when he punches holly martin right. uh, yeah. you got to be careful these days yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's like hung over from that punch but he gives him he's one of those best things of he did the chevy chase thing of giving him a compliment and an insult at the same, at the same time. time i love your books i just can pick them up and read them and put them <laughs> put down, down and, and yeah. not have to think about it <laughs> It's like zinger, yeah, and they're throwing those at each other, you know, you know, and then he makes a point of calling uh, uh, Callaway Callahan, Callaway, and then know. he gets almost offended that yes. he goes, don't I'm not Irish, I'm British, and it's like, oh, I know how to get you now. Well, yeah. I'm gonna do it for the course of the film. <laughs> so it's almost like we follow the beginning of the movie, follow Holly Martin's very naive to the whole what's going on, right? Yes, and very uh, Holly, he's happy, he's. Almost, you know, and the music yes. plays on it. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like a dance, and a, and uh, I always, I always wondered why this music fits for this movie because it's very dark and it's, it it's an uplifting song. I think it's the cynicism. I, I think, think it's the, that cynical do, 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 sort of. Do, 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 do. Yeah, da, 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 well, it's like, like skipping, almost, skipping it, down the street. Yeah. It's it's an empty exercise. It kind of reminded me of. Three Penny Opera or uh, Mac the Knife. There was some kind of eeriness to it. It uh, um, and cynicism. It's like yeah, skipping down the um, street. Street. It's an empty exercise. You know, yeah. while there's um, while the city is uh, half of it's bombed out. And right. All that. Yeah. I think it gives a, a sense of this is futile. Yes, you, it you're is. You investigate this, you're going to get back to nowhere. You're going to get nowhere. That, that's true. I mean, this this. This movie is is perfect for like say the Gen X generation. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, uh, most like Maltese Falcon. There is a character that they talk about that we actually don't get to meet. Remember in the Maltese Falcon? They talk about Thor Thursby, Floyd yes. Thursby, and he gets murdered before we even get to see him. In fact, we don't even get to see him. Right. And the third man, we get this like guy. A shadow character. Yeah. And the third man, we get this character, Joseph Hobbin. Yes. And he's missing, and we never actually. He's a very crucial. Uh, yeah. character but we never get to meet him as well now we talked about we talked about joseph cotton we talked about orson welles in this uh trevor harder however howard yes who i like this character because he seemed like he's very stiff and hard but he actually is pretty he just has a job to do and i, I like this is what is interesting about and really jealous about is these characters actually are really believable they are, right. yeah. I, I mean, mean, even though he comes as a hard person, he does. He's just doing his job. Yeah, you know, and he tells Holly, "I, please, you're going to get murdered, and I'm going to have to investigate your murder. I don't want to do that." That's, you know? that's true. There's, yeah, and he's um. There, there's no pretension to him. They or, are, yeah. They're or the Russian people. office comes and they're going to claim the girlfriend. 
Yeah. And he's like, really, do we have to? He's yeah. like, what, what do, we, do we have to do this? Yeah, I said, come on. It's as if we don't have, you know, more difficult things to, you know, that are thrown at us. Really? Yeah, that's um, true. The other thing to talk about is um, Holly, Harry Lime's um, ensemble cast. Wonderful casting. You have the Dr. Linkwinkle. Yeah. <laughs> you have the Romanian uh, Pumpinskits. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Who Who knows? And then the very uh, rat like. Yeah. Right, yeah. You You know something's up with him. Yeah. 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 You ever and, heard of Joseph Hobbit? No. 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 <laughs> who? No. Yeah. yeah. And you know continues to change the story with, uh, um, you know Holly Martin's character because Holly Martin's well you yeah. know he'll start investigating and try to find out and I said, Well didn't you say this? Oh oh yes, that's right. That's oh, okay. Now okay, now I remember, yes. And the Baron Kurtz who meets with Holly Martins and he has his copy of his book and yep. the dog. Um the other thing I want to relay is how pets get in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and reveal. Oh, and pets and oh yes, like the cat. The cat. But the dog especially. Remember he carried Colonel Kurt yep. uh, Baroness carries the dog and then when Harry Holly Holly Martins meets up with the doctor. There's the dog. Yeah, that's right. And you're like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> Animals and children, too. Of course, the the scene of the little kinder, yeah, you man. know, turning and saying, murderer, murderer. And then they get the very much the foreshadowing of the cat. And yeah. Holly, Holly's like, but it's one the cat. And she says, she only liked Harry. <laughs> and and right. she's all moping over there. And we already know that. And all of a sudden we see this cat just, you know. <laughs> You know, purring <laughs> up to this. It's like it has to be him. <laughs> right. Well, we were a little bit shocked to reveal. Like, yeah. what? Yes. Uh, the, the the trouble with names is wonderful play on this movie because mm-hmm. it's you're running into different cultures. And in fact, um, and she messes up. She calls him Harry. Yes. And he forgives her. Um, he gets starstruck by her. Oh, immediately yeah. Right. oh yeah he is just la, 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 la. yeah <laughs> right. he even goes to an uh what austrian a german opera or a play and he has no idea <laughs> what's going on oh yeah, yeah. he he is twitter painted <laughs> I, I do like the reference that the that um during the wartime they actually threw because during war, the devastation of there wasn't a lot of flowers that people threw tea right <laughs> <laughs> Which is a nice reference because you like you forget about sometimes you reference oh yeah it's wartime yeah. you know pe- sometimes people throw you tea because there's not a lot going around yeah it's like where did you find the flowers <laughs> uh, another reference is Graham Greene and Carol Reed both worked in it during um, World War II Graham, uh, Carol Reed did footage mm-hmm. of films for the British um, arch- archives during World War II oh, okay. Carol Reed um, uh, actually did a lot of if you want stock footage, which is okay. actually used in the movie, oh, of um, World War Two, of being a uh, a wartime um, um, filmmaker, as yeah, far as, yeah, and there were there was a lot there were a lot of filmmakers that were like that. that yeah, so the stock footage, yeah. in fact, is I think is actually Carol Reed's also. Oh, that, that's fantastic. Um, Graham Greene actually was. Was a spy during World War Two. So, yes, he really was um, doing corresponding notes, and they actually used that in the movie of using the mirror to flip words and to. So he knew what he was talking about then. Yes, in yeah. fact, he, he um, Graham Greene said that he knew people like Harry Lyme. It's an oh. ensemble of people that he knew that were working there. That right, were very slimy people, and trying were... to make a quick buck underhanded, and right. uh, doing kind of taking advantage of the fact that. You know the communication and the the thread of civilization was a bit down, being that the city was totally you know in disarray. <laughs> um, I would also mention dialogue is fantastic. It's amazing. It's I I haven't seen such dialogue since. Um, you know, all about Eve. It's it's just the, the great and also volley. Casablanca too. Yeah. It's just you know the 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 tets between um, the characters make them more realistic too. Right, because yeah. Holly's character grew up with Harry, yeah. so he kind of knew him. And he the the great what encapsulates Harry was the two lines of Holly Martin said. Well, he when he was a kid, he taught me the three card trick. That's growing up fast. <laughs> and she replies, he never grew up, which is yeah. a great contradiction yeah. to ensemble what Harry Lime is. Yes, this, it's, it's true. Yeah. With the very few lines, you get this whole who this person really is. He's right. an enigma wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. We're going to take a, a small little break. I'm going to refill my scotch because when you talk to a man, you, you have to have scotch. Absolutely. Joseph Cotton loved his scotch. <laughs> um, and we'll get back and we're going to talk a little bit about 
what I consider the best ending of all time. Hey, this is okay. Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. We're a podcast that takes a deep dive into nerd culture. Every episode, we will talk comics, movies, video games, and even wrestling. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. The Amazing Nerd Show. The show you never knew you wanted. shot this with three working teams working all together yep he had a second unit working during the day he had a uh, uh which i think you know what second unit means it's people under carol reed's uh simulcast that does other footage that okay. doesn't really have any director or yeah. an actor involved they just get the exterior shots and everything he also had uh, another unit work exclusively in the sewers Oh, so yeah, three units working simultaneously to get this done in about two weeks. Okay, and that was that was the whole uh, amount of time for the filming of this was. Uh, well, I think it about a span of two weeks. Two weeks uh, should have been shorter, but Orson Welles showed up late. Okay, and he did the Marlon Brando thing of demanding stuff, and Dan, was... I'm not gonna go to sewer. You know the <laughs> film of moving the sewer. You know what that is. Yeah, and... he's a bit fashionable on that. And... So there's a lot of actually, there's a lot of the sewer scenes are actually um, not Orson Welles. They actually, as a stunt double guy, Hamilton filled in for Orson Welles. If you don't see his face, um, a lot of the close-ups of Orson Welles were actually shot in London on stone stage wow so they built stage for him so a lot of it is not orson welles in the sewer yeah because there, there's a good portion of the ending of that film where he is in the sewer he's moving here he's like, oh no and he sees the shadows all around and you get this impression that you know he's a trapped rat i always i always regarded almost like the um the maze of of the palace gnosis with the monitor oh. monitor <laughs> yeah. the sewers very unta- where are we where are who you know it's almost right. like the maze of uh, the palace gnosis with the monitor in there that yeah yeah, that's that is true. It's yeah. just uh, there's no ending, there's no beginning. Where's everybody? Remember that you could hear a gunshot, and you're like, "Where is that coming yeah, from?" Yeah, it's echoing, and he's trying to figure out where right. you know. Well, where should I go now if I hear it? But everything's echoed around. He's not too sure which way to go. Right. Yeah, it, it's chaos. So a lot of the film is very cut, very dramatically. Yeah, and maybe a couple scenes will last, maybe at most thirty seconds, which is a very heavy contradiction to the end. Which almost takes a minute. Yeah. It's, yeah, because you'll see all of these flashing um, scenes. Yeah. Uh, especially, when, you know, especially when they're down there, adding up to that one-minute scene. And um, they, they do uh, a lot of use of Dutch angles, too. You know, uh, ha- oh. half of the film, I thought, was, like, filmed in a sinking ship. <laughs> they, you know, the that kind of... Um, well, right. I mean, yeah. who would think to film it... Through a staircase as you go through a door. It's true. Yeah. You don't think about that. I'll be on the lower end and I'll film it. And, and we're going to put the camera here. Right. And... Or you go up the stairs and we put up the spire and you go and... low and shoot up. Yeah. Yep. And the struggle of him, you know, using his last breath to escape, you know, is uh, just in the angle that they, you know, that you have looking at him is just which is, is breathtaking. We talk about it because it's totally different from the ending. Which right. is you just mounting the camera and you just have her walking and it's the greatest yeah f you <laughs> scene. <laughs> yes, it is. He has this wonderful uh, naiveness to him. Holly Martin thinks that everything's wrapped up. Yeah, You're, you you fell in love with a bad guy. I'm a good guy. You're just gonna come back, and she just actually is repudiating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure you you you. We've we've all encountered in high oh, school. Oh yeah, Ab- absolutely. <laughs> it just thinking about it now. <laughs> but I wonder my essay that no guy yeah. out there has not not encountered this. Oh, I felt that. Yeah. 
you know, if you're really, truly being honest with yourself, you know, and come on, you know, you, you felt that. You Her know name that. is Alita Valley. Yep. She's from Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born, actually, what we, come, what we consider Croatia. It was part of the time, it was part of Italy. Oh, um, yes. But now it's... It's now part of Croatia, annexed during after the war, so she be kind of, nowadays should be considered Croatian. Um, she did about a hundred movies in Italy. This is one of her first times she ever did a movie outside of Italy. Oh, um, okay. She did a, uh, over a hundred movies in Italy, Italian, uh, for you know the famous all the famous actor. Uh, so directors. she was she was really well known in in her yeah. original country. Yeah, she had a profound disdain for film. But it just made you made so much money. She wanted to be a stage actress. Oh, I see. She loved the stage better than anything. But it's just the money and all the things that come with making actress, yep. making film actress, that she did it. Um, but she definitely disregarded her preference was always stage actress. And they put it in the movie, I think, as an inside joke. Put her on stage. Oh, that's right. They did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody considers the end um, fake. It's actually genuine. It is a real, a real thing. Really, it's on location, and the, the, all those trees got bombed out, so they're almost cut in half. I don't yeah. know what, what it's almost like symmetrical, which which gravity Carol Reed, why are you doing it? Because look at the trees; it looks symmetrical. Yeah, and when it came to the ending, I I guess that uh, uh, Graham Greene wanted more of a happier ending, and it was yes. David, in fact, even David Selznick wanted a happier ending. Yeah, yeah, which you know that doesn't. Surprise well, Americans, me. Americans always want. We yeah. want. We want to happen. We want it. Yeah. You know, where's the Frank Capra? Where's the you yeah. know, Merry Christmas, George? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Hee-haw. Yeah, that's what they you know come to expect, yeah. and you know say you know hey look you know people are coming back from the war you don't want anything too depressing, mm-hmm. and um, it's like no look. Um, this is, you know, and it's funny cause it was Graham Greene's artistic vision, but it was Carol Reed saying, no, it makes a better film this way. Yeah. And it makes a better story this way. Now, Joseph Cotton did an interview with, on Dick Cavett and he actually thought that it was, um, a lot longer than it's a lot. Sh- he thought he cut filming before he thought it didn't, he thought it was a lot shorter. Oh, okay. so he just he uh, he just as an actor he just waited for the director to say okay we're done. But he goes, I actually thought he started f- stop filming about thirty seconds ago, <laughs> and he goes, and I got so restless I started a cigarette. <laughs> so that was actually not, part- <laughs> but it, it's it actually <laughs> okay because <laughs> she walked past right, and yeah. he's still filming, and he's like, all right, well. Something must have happened around the camera. I'm just gonna yeah. stay on my mark mm-hmm. as a good actor, you know. And then he started a cigarette. <laughs> Take five. And he casually threw the match, and that's the end of the movie, which be- is benefits. It's perfect. Oh yeah, it's ideal. <laughs> which is a great response when a woman rejects you. It's just yep. All right. Ah uh, yeah. Just just go with the just go with the flow. Go go with the. Blows. And it fits the ensemble of the whole music, which is just yep. skipping and just lolly. It's futile. Yeah, Whatever yeah. ambition you have is futile. Yeah. And also that kind of realistic cynicism, like, you know, well, I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh. <laughs> I do love the wonderful play of when they go back to Harry's apartment, um, the, the porter in the house, and they go back to her apartment, the apartment and she sits down at the, the bedroom table, the bedroom and she, without even looking, pulls out the drawer. She knows the comb is there. Oh, right. Which is very fitting that you understand that she's been in this house. She knows yeah. where everything is. It's just a wonderful non- Gestural that she just knows it's going to be in there. She inspects the comb; it's still there. Yep. Everything's still the same. The great thing yeah. about the third man too is that with most mysteries, it's like okay, you unravel it, it's done, it's you know the game's over, right? And so you lose a little bit of the magic. But there are so many details right. in this movie that it does have staying power, and you can see it over and over again. Usually, writers when they reveal the secret too early have to go gaudy, you know, yeah. with the, the massacre, the action, and all that stuff. <laughs> that's true. Oh well, that's what the twist is and you do it early and that's they think to keep your interest you have to go look gaudy this actually amps up the dialogue it does <laughs> it, it does and it, it makes the story and the characters a lot deeper uh which is a lot more it's a lot more fun for the viewer um graham green considered this a comedy first than a thriller 
Uh, and I would re- find that very interesting because it is actually there's a lot of funny parts yeah. to it. You know, he, Joseph Cotton uh, gets bit by a parrot. It actually confesses, and nobody believes him. What happened to your thumb? Oh, that's right. Yeah. What happened to your thumb? Oh, please, Holly. (laughs) No one. Yeah, no one. It's like, how do you get bit by a parrot? Yeah. Which he provides as a logic excuse to go visit Harry's old doctor. Yeah. Why do you want to see a doctor about a broken? And then even even uh, even the uh, Calloway knows it's all right. That's a logic excuse, but mm. (laughs) right because he looks at him and goes. Very good. You well, got yeah. You filled in the answer very well. I you know I guess you know you look at it the way yeah it it is a comedy. I was told that Pulp Fiction was a comedy the first time I saw it, right. and I I didn't see the humor the first time I saw it. Second time I did. Well, the 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 best part of it is the whole buildup of the stakeout and the dramatic lighting and the cops and the lights yeah. and they're all and then here comes a guy with balloons. He's drunk off his ass. <laughs> oh, the old guy with the the Italian guy with the balloons. Yeah, <laughs> it's like where oh. they have to buy them to go. Make Make him go away. Come on, Papa. Come, Papa. Okay, now leave. <laughs> and the little boy oh, with the ball. Yes. Who, who almost looks a little conniving as well. Murderer. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to accuse, you know, the first foreigner I see. Murderer. <laughs> Murderer. And the porter who doesn't understand English very well. You know, yep. your buddy Harry, he died. He went. And he points up. Yeah. He went to hell. <laughs> and then the old woman who was complaining to the Soviets. Every oh, time, yeah, you been... don't wipe your shoes when you come into a building. Who the heck do you people think you are? She's Things a are very, a lot better back very stand. It's not a stereotype, but a very no. classic right, a German yes. woman. Yes. Police and you doing this Gestapo stuff. You're coming to my... You know, oh, yeah. she she would let them have it with... Yeah. You know, yeah. the problem is, is there was a language gap, so no... No one understands what the heck each other is saying, you know, yeah. and it's just it's just a mess. Oh, but it's uh, yeah, there is a lot of humor in it. That's true. Um, what did you th- what do you think? Suicide or murder? Do you think Holly shot him or he committed suicide? I do have one. I have one. I go with one. Uh, I have one of them. I have one of conviction. I go with I go with that. He committed suicide. I think there was. A, I, I think that he. I don't know. I right. It's a whole interesting point. Why well, you might you almost want to watch it again. Yeah, because he's climbing, and then he has the you know. He's all boxed in. He's all boxed in. It's almost like him trying to get out of hell. Is the kind of mm-hmm. the imagery that I saw in that. It's yeah. like you're damned and you cannot get out, and you know your fate is already sealed. You know, represented by this gate you know and that and he's doing everything in his power to try to escape you know to his right. last breath yeah so i don't think that it was suicide because i he, there's there's too much struggle in him too much struggle with him i yeah. i think he's too much of a coward to actually face the repercussions of what he did okay or oh, and that's quite possible too i know yes. it's wonderful writing of, oh it's brilliant yeah of the omnid the 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 not a definitive answer to all that's going on. I, I agree. Because you don't understand why this his girlfriend has this effect. She knows what a slime ball this guy is. <laughs> yeah. And she just is not going to get over it's it. It's always the gals that go for the bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you know, and poor poor Holly Martins is, you know, hey, you know, I've, I've looked at you from homeroom from afar, and, you know, you're going to go out with, you know, um, Dirk Diggler here. You know, it's it's sad. <laughs> All right. So, uh, before you started watching, did you know what a zither was? No, I did not. Okay. I had absolutely no idea. And it's interesting. Could we talk about the end? I'm talking about the beginning of the movie. It actually shows uh, a camera shot down. On a zither, zither looks like a, a piece of a half a table. Yeah. It's all like 24 strings. Yeah, it a, is, yeah. It's, and you pluck it just like a harp, but it's on yep. one side. Harp, it, you do both sides. Yes. This is just one side. And it has a very exotic, almost, um, uh, I don't want to use the term gypsy, but Roma kind right. of sound to it. And um, Anton Karras was the one who... Um, wrote the soundtrack for the uh, movie, and I guess it, it was a huge hit in forty. Right, you buy that you could buy the single. Yeah, yeah, it, in Britain, in the U.S., you could buy the single. And it was it got radio play. My father knew about it. He was about sixteen when the film came out, and he was like, "Oh my god!" You know, mm-hmm. it's, you'd, you'd turn on the, and there'd be that Zither music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it was it was a big hit back then. 
Which um, is nice because I think it was a prominent instrument in Austria. Yeah. It's a very famous instrument in Austria. It does. It has that kind of cafe sort of, you know, I right. wanted to... I wanted to start smoking cigarettes again and write poetry when I heard it. You know, wear a beret. <laughs> you know, it has a bohemian sound. Um, Vienna's doesn't really particularly enjoy this movie. They don't celebrate no, it. No, they don't. They don't have, I don't want to say a disdain, but they don't have really much appreciation. There no. is a Third Man Museum in the building. In fact, you can take the Third Man tour in Vienna. It has the, A lot of the places still exist, the cathedrals and all that stuff. Yeah, St. Louis. I mean, St. Louis. Saint, meet me in St. Louis is on. The TV right now. Sorry, people. Um, But um, yeah, Austrians, Viennese, which has no relation to St. Louis whatsoever. Uh, uh, Yeah, they they looked upon it as meh. They 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 were not. In fact, I think they took it as an insult. Right, because it has it's very cosmopolitan. They talk about it as very cosmopolitan. This is actually a dark time for Vienna. Oh, yeah. Vienna was uh, was the heartbeat of the Austria-Hungary empire and uh, uh, some of the most beautiful music came from Vienna. And the first time it's going to be really represented in a film... It's bombed all over the, you know, and so there, there was like a, a well, I never sort of attitude to, towards the, you know, Viennese about that film. Yeah. Uh, AMI magazine, uh, not AMI, Empire movie magazine, regarded as the best, best British movie of all time. Yes. Um, it didn't actually. It did get celebrated, but it's now in from I'd say from the eighties to now it gets really celebrated. Yeah. To prior to it just didn't it just okay, that was a good movie. But now yeah, it was pe- kind of like, Oh, by the way, Orson Welles was in this. Yeah. And now it is yeah, it it's really got its comeuppance. Yeah. Roger uh, Ebert loved it. He thought it was just fantastic. It, um, that's probably why uh, it gets celebrated now is because of Robert Ebert's yeah. pressure and his persistence of constantly doing critiques about this movie. Hey, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it Yeah, it's in his um, – he sets aside – uh, some films where he considers absolute masterpieces, and he'll yeah. write, he'll have um, that as a theme of a book, and Third Man is definitely in there. Uh, before we go, I will talk about, um, there's an interview, Peter Bogdanovich, I thought, I think we talked about it before, uh, was good friends with Orson Welles, and uh, he had really, really hanged out with him quite a bit, oh. and he got to sit down and talk with Orson Welles about The Third Man. And Orson Welles, he goes, what did you, what can you retake and retain from The Third Man? And Orson replied, well, it's the actor's role, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, well, he goes, what do you mean by it? He goes, it, because everybody works hard to do their part, and all you have to do is show up, and you're celebrated. He goes, I didn't do very much. All I had to do was put a light on my face, and I smile. And everybody's like, yeah, wow, we'll get all that. <laughs> yeah. He talked in reference to a play at yeah. the time called Mr. Wu. Yeah, okay. I think I mentioned that before. Yes. There's a play that was going around called Mr. Wu and all these about five characters and begin the first two acts we talk about all these things going on and what will Mr. Wu do when he finds out? Oh, Mr. <laughs> Wu has been there and everybody's talking about Mr. Wu and then right. the, just at the end of the second act over the bridge backlit so you don't see who it is mm-hmm. and everybody's unbeknownst to him he comes on stage and everybody's oh, it's Mr. Wu and the curtain draws and everybody's like did you see that guy in the play? It's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is almost, uh, I would say, very much like uh, Dr. Strangelove. Yes. Where everybody celebrates. Peter Sellers doing three different things, which is a wonderful accomplishment, doing three different roles. Yeah, and it is. and that's... But that takes away from what George C. Scott doing. This is just absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> right. <laughs> or Slim Pickens or anybody else. Oh, that, you know, that, um, yeah. or the... I, I oh, forget his name, but uh, uh, the one that's fighting with uh, uh, Sellers as the British officer, you sound like one of them preverts, you know. Right. The, uh, a brilliant character actor. Uh, just just great. Uh, name eludes me, though. But I know what you mean. <laughs> so if you ever get like a rainy day, any, um, I've seen this in the theater, and it's actually remarkable in theater. Yeah. than anything else because you have dis- the subtraction of distraction. Yeah. <laughs> you sit in there in a, and you get totally enmeshed in the whole. And I'm liking what I'm seeing in movie theaters that um, you have uh, movie theaters are finally waking up to the fact that we're going to bring classic films back. Maybe, you know, one day. 
but we're going right. they're putting them in back in rotation where you get that opportunity again to see those classic films and i think that's great and uh all right yep well anything else before we leave the third man my third favorite movie uh well uh, i would just advise people to see it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I forget to mention because Turner Classics on um, the Quiet American, the first one by Audrey Murphy, directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. Oh, his son Ben Mankiewicz is the host of Turner Classics. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's always connections. Yeah. All right, that's it to the St. Paul Filmcast. Uh, our next episode, if everybody's paying attention, will yep. be our end of the year extravaganza. Yeah, where we all have our top ten list. Well, yeah. hopefully finished. Yeah, that's right. I think some people you know, might be seven here or eight there. It's hard to say. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks for listening, and uh, please give us a real a review. It helps out the show. Yeah, that's it. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm.